comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger. I am the danger. I am the one who knocks. Now, say my name. Eisenberg. You're damn right. Welcome to Los Podcast Hermanos, the HHW LOD Breaking Bad Podcast. Hey everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Los Podcast Hermanos. If you are new to the HHW LOD Podcast Network, and this is the first show you've heard from us, welcome. Uh, we, we hope you enjoy it. My name is Jordan, and I'm joined tonight by my good friends Russ. Say hello, Russ. Hey. And a guy we have not heard on any of our shows in a while, but it's very good to hear his voice again, Johnny M. How you doing, John? Very well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be back. Uh, well, it is a pleasure to have you back. Uh, we we had hoped to have Frank and Jim on tonight as well, but they could not make it due to some uh, family circumstances, but uh, we hope to have them on in the very near future. Tonight we're going to do something pretty similar to what we do on Walking Dead TV. We're going to do a synopsis of the episode, talk about our favorite scenes, talk about how the episode did in the ratings, etc. You know the deal if you've heard the other shows, and if you haven't, Head over to HHWLOD.com and check out all of our great programs. We've got, uh, like I said already, the Walking Dead TV podcast. We've got shows on movies. We've got shows on comic books. we got shows on pretty much everything under the sun. There's something there for everybody. So HHWLOD.com if you've never heard of any of our shows before. And uh, we hope you enjoy them. Gentlemen, are you ready to talk some Breaking Bad? C. C, yes. <laughs> Episode 509 was entitled Blood Money, and it aired, as we record this, last night on Sunday, and uh, it was very good to see Breaking Bad. It's been a long time. So episode 509 begins with a flash forward, just like episode 501 and four episodes from the second season. We are once again back on Walter White's 52nd birthday, as far as we can tell. We start by looking at the pool. Now, did you? how long did it take you guys to recognize what you were looking at as the skateboard wheels were going by in the drain pool? I, I definitely didn't get it right away. I probably got it when they panned back to the house. <laughs> I kind of heard a synopsis online of what the opening of this episode was, so it wouldn't be fair to say I figured it out because I pretty much was told ahead of time. Yeah, I also knew ahead of time, so <laughs> it wasn't fair for me. This was the Comic-Con clip? Is this what they uh, showed? Yeah. yeah, this is exactly what they showed at Comic-Con was everything pre-credits. You know, it's, it's funny. I was, not to get too far off track, but I was watching, um, I have to make sure I say this right, talking bad because my brain wants to say talking dead yeah mine as well for a live show chris hardwick did good he didn't uh, flub it up once but i guess that's why he's a pro and uh i do a podcast but <laughs> vince gilligan was saying he said something very interesting and it's something we've talked about informally and formally before but he said season 5a and then episode 9 was like 5b and he says or so the lawyers tell me so I wonder if part of the you know part of the reason I kept saying it's season six I don't care what they say, but I guess maybe contractually they're considering it five because either maybe contracts were up after five and if they called it six they'd have to renegotiate or it's it's some other something like that. It's either that they would have to renegotiate or that people have built into their contracts that every every season they get an additional fifteen percent or twenty yeah. percent or whatever that they're what they get paid increases. So that is pretty much exactly the reason why it is uh, it is 5A and 5B. The reason why they split it up is because then they are eligible for Emmys twice. AMC has a little bit more time to find another program to fill in for it, etc. On the, on the upcoming home release, I've noticed that uh, it's being billed as the final season. So again, without uh, cornering themselves into saying it's season six or having a dopey 5.5 or something like that. Right. And I guess, too, from the actor's perspective, it gives them a little more flexibility because instead of shooting a 13-episode season, they, they got to shoot an eight-episode season, had time off to do some stuff, and then come back and shoot another eight. So it kind of freed them up to do other work, whereas they you know might be kind of tied down for a longer period of time that they normally would be. So Well, exactly. It let Hank go over to, right. to Under the Dome and let Jesse shoot... 
uh, need for speed, you know, etc. So it works out for everybody, but it yes. does get a little confusing. So we see the pool, we see the kids skateboarding in the pool, it keeps pulling back until we realize that it is indeed the pool in the back of the white residence, or we should say the former white residence, because it's quite clear that nobody lives there now. Uh, we rejoin Walter White, or Mr. Lambert, as he's going by on this particular birthday, as he exits his uh, his vehicle, the vehicle that has the giant machine gun in the back. As he pulls up in front of the house, he opens the trunk, he grabs a tire iron, and he breaks into his own house, which is now gated, it's overgrown, and it's covered in graffiti. I enjoyed the uh, instruction manual to the assault rifle yes. in the trunk as well. <laughs> hey, you don't want to which... do that wrong, you know, you'll, you'll end up yeah. shooting your eye out. Yeah, it's just funny that, you know, you could see Walter yes. reading the instruction manual. So he enters the home, uh, he you know, goes through the gate, he gets into the house uh, through the crawl space, and as he goes into the house, we see for the third time him entering his house on his birthday. I actually found on Reddit, someone made an animated GIF. That's right, uh, Brad Milo, if you're listening, I said GIF, you can deal with it. And... It is, you know, him entering his house on three different birthdays, and it's pretty cool to see all the callbacks. There's a lot of them in this episode. Something Breaking Bad does quite often, but it was quite cool to see them. And when he goes into the house, we see that it has been stripped bare, the DEA or someone has been in there and just removed pretty much everything. Uh, There's graffiti everywhere, and as the camera pans around, we can see that written on one of the walls in bright yellow spray paint is Heisenberg. So as far as we can tell... Walter White's identity as the meth kingpin Heisenberg is now public knowledge. Yeah, that was kind of crazy to me. We have a big gap of information that's going to be doled out over the season, like about how he gets outed officially and and stuff like that. It was also kind of crazy that he was walking in there in broad daylight uh, with everyone knowing his identity. Well, he's a man with a giant machine gun. It's pretty clear he does not uh, feel he's going to be living much longer. He doesn't have a lot to lose here. I was looking for like hidden clues, I was desperately trying to see what the notice on the door said, like if it was property of the DEA or if it was a foreclosure notice or something, and I couldn't really make out what what that was. It almost seemed like it was more like a condemned letter or something like that, but I was trying to you know, see and... It was actually a tract from the Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. It'd be funny, though. Because I was, I was just hoping, you know, they tend to, to do that, put little subtle things in here and there that, you know, give you a clue as to what's going on. So I was really trying to figure out if, if that's what it was. Well, speaking of clues, uh, Walter White is wearing a green army type jacket in this scene. And what someone on Reddit pointed out uh, today as I was looking through the Breaking Bad topics, this is Jesse's coat he's wearing. Or it is identical to a coat Jesse wore in either th- uh, season three or four because the screen cap that was provided was Jesse in the Super Lab. Uh, does that mean that Jesse is dead at this point? Or that he's just really generous with lending Walter his clothes? <laughs> Hopefully it's just a coincidence. I don't think this show does that, particularly in its uh, in its costuming. It's a very deliberate costume show. It's funny. I was, I was, uh, my wife and I both watched it last night, and one of the things I said was, I, I really kind of hope that Jesse comes out on top in this whole thing. And it's funny because she says... Why doesn't he just take that money, take his girlfriend and her kid and just go back to and just go to Mexico and just live out and be happy and, you know, just get away? Well, Jesse is many things, but an intelligent, forward thinking person, not always. So, well, we we will see as the as the season goes on. But uh, Walt goes into the house. You know, he sees the graffiti of Heisenberg. His house is just gone. And there's also spray painted on the wall seems to be the word dead. It was kind of out of focus the one time we saw it but probably part of a larger message. He goes into his bedroom, and pretty much the only thing left intact is the faceplate from the electrical outlet that he unscrews and reveals that the ricin capsule is still there. He removes it, and he leaves. Now, does anyone else think that this ricin capsule is for him? That's kind of my assumption. Yeah. The, the gun is for whoever he's going to face, and then he's not planning on leaving that showdown. Yeah, I, I'm a believer that the ricin is for... See, Walter. I didn't think that, because one of the things they've talked about the ricin is that it takes a couple week, a couple like several days. You get you have flu-like symptoms, and you get really sick, um, and then your organs start to fail and you die. So if he's already at this point probably at the end of his cancer stage or getting really close, I'm thinking he has this in mind 
for another purpose, but that that's just me. Well, it could just be that he knows he's going to get arrested and he's not dealing he's not going to deal with prison type thing. I, I don't know. We, we we will see or maybe he takes it several days before he starts his uh, gunfight to ensure that <laughs> he won't have to leave. Maybe that's the ultimate gotcha on the series is that um, he takes the rice in and then finds out he was horribly misdiagnosed and never had cancer to begin with. Oh, <laughs> that would suck. So he leaves the house. He's getting back in the car when his former neighbor, Carol, is uh, unloading groceries out of her vehicle. And she sees him and she is stunned. He says, hello, Carol. And she drops the groceries on the ground and oranges roll away. And we cut to the opening credits. I love that that opening there. And she's just stunned and he's just so matter of fact and obviously at this point i mean i would imagine like the general public even if they've heard the name heisenberg which probably doubtful i mean i'm imagining the drug community and and for those individuals they they know heisenberg they know the name but obviously at some point he's had a pretty high profile piece done on him or some very high profile information has come out where his neighbor is completely freaked out and it's not just like if I found out my next door neighbor was a you know just just cooking meth or whatever, I'd probably be a little freaked out, but I probably wouldn't be afraid. So obviously some knowledge has come out about his tendencies for violence and what he's done. And again, like we've talked about, we don't know what's happened to Skyler at this point or Walt Jr. or Hank or Jesse or anyone for that matter. So, you know, she could have a thousand reasons to be afraid of him right at that moment. I was also wondering if perhaps she thinks he or she thought he was dead. Oh, like maybe is so. the public knowledge that he's dead, and so seeing him and then him saying her name reveals that oh yeah, it's definitely me. Was more just a you're alive type thing, but we will we will know soon enough. So we then after the credits and after the opening commercials, we cut back to pretty much directly after uh, episode five hundred eight ended, with Hank discovering the uh, inscription in the book in the bathroom. And we see the bathroom from outside the door. It's very slow. We can hear voices from outside. It's pushing in on the door. And then eventually it opens and we see a very distraught uh, Hank Schrader, Dean Norris, coming out of the bathroom. He takes the book and he hides it in uh, Marie's, uh, I don't know if I'd say handbag. It's not a handbag. It's just a, a purple bag that matches her general purple attire. It's awesome. I always love the everything. purple. Uh, yeah. Everything. Everything's purple <laughs> with Marie. And then he exits the house. As he exits the house, A, it sounds kind of like an airlock, which they, they've said was intentional. But the first words we hear from Marie and everybody outside the house as he rejoins the group is Marie jokingly saying to Walt, you are the devil. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> and how right she does not know she is. Uh, Hank feigns that he's not feeling well, although quite honestly, he's not feeling well, but that he it's time for them to leave and he's having some kind of indigestion problems. So they leave and before they can even get back to their house, he has yet another panic attack PTSD episode and he crashes their vehicle into uh, someone's mailbox and, and is rushed to the hospital where they believe he, at first they think he had a heart attack before he is cleared. This whole scene was interesting to me because I was trying to figure out before viewing the episode how this was going to go down. Like, was Hank going to come gangbusters out of the bathroom, you know, with accusations and things like that? And, and it, it made it clear, I guess, a little bit later that, yeah, you know, he would probably think he was definitely on to something, but would need to, like, recheck and, and think about it before he made a move. I don't know. This was just one of the questions that I had. Like, how was this going to go down, Hank coming out of the bathroom? And it made a lot of sense once I finally got to see it. Yeah, I mean, Hank can be a bit headstrong and rush into things occasionally, but generally he's been shown to be a very deductive, competent law enforcement official, I mean, and, and very good with putting together the clues, as we'll see later. Yeah, I just, I guess I didn't know that, you know, he's also very protective of, like, the women and the family and the kids and stuff, so I, I didn't know if he was maybe going to be like, I have to get this guy away from all of them, like, ASAP type thing. Um, but you're right, he was much more calculated. When this, to me, was an incredible portrayal of, of somebody having this kind of a panic attack and just completely freaking out. When he crashes that car and gets out and he's, like, knelt over on that, on the ground and just breathing heavy and you can't see and he's, like, sweating, um, this, to me, was much more genuine than... I wasn't a big fan, for those of you who've seen Iron Man 3, as much of 
I, th- I thought the Robert Downey Jr. stuff seemed a little forced and not quite as genuine. And this here just seemed like, I think Dean Norris just knocked it out of the park. I mean, it was incredible how he just, you know, showed that. And he's done it before, but to me, this was like the, the grand performance of him having this panic attack, uh, more so than even that he, he did in the past. And it was, it was just, it was almost heart wrenching because you could kind of see what's all going through his head. It's like, okay, if he's if he's done this, then, you know, A, I've got to stop him, but how do I stop him? Because he's my brother-in-law, and he was right under my nose, and it's, you know, I know what happened to my boss when, you know, when they found out that Gus was, you know, the, the kingpin of all this, and he got ousted, and I'm, you know, it's just like it, 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 completely overwhelmed. Well, I'll disagree with you in the sense that, I actually really thought that the Iron Man 3 panic attacks were done very well, uh, as I said on our, our Iron Man 3 show. But it's interesting, I hadn't gone back and rewatched most of Breaking Bad recently, so this past week I've been going back through and, and watching Breaking Bad, and I don't think I had seen any of Hank's panic attacks since I had had the, the one single panic attack I've had. Uh, thankfully, it's only ever been the one. But going back through, I, I, I will definitely agree with you that I was also impressed that they really nail the feel of what it's like to have that panic attack where it it's just can be very sudden and come out of nowhere and you don't know how to react and then it can just be gone like that. But I, I will agree with you that this, the one in this episode is probably the best one. It feels very genuine and his reaction, everyone's reaction to him just felt spot on. So because of the accident and the trip to the hospital... Hank has an excuse to call out of work, and so he has them deliver all the files from the Fring case, from the Heisenberg case, to his house, where he compares the handwriting in Walt's copy of Leaves of Grass to Gail Bedecker's lab notes, which was his original, uh, you know, suspicion, you know, that's the, the clip they played last year when he found the book, but now he is able to compare the two bits of handwriting and they even show us close up you know it doesn't take a handwriting analyst to tell in this particular case uh the way gail does ours in particular they line up perfectly and he starts going through in one of breaking bad's uh very clever and and well-used musical montages he goes through all the boxes of evidence and starts putting everything together and it was kind of a cool walk down memory lane for the show of you know headshots of characters we had not seen for years and years, and just putting all the pieces together of the people Walt has killed, the lives he's ruined, the money he's stolen, um, all the way back even to when they stole the methylamine from the storage facility back in season, uh, the beginning of season, or the I guess towards the end of season one. I laughed out loud at the shot of uh, Hank posing next to the dead body that got crushed by the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm trying to remember the name of the, uh, there was a gangster name for the guy. It'll come to me. Thankfully, I am on Wikipedia already, and it's very easy to find. Hmm. Huh. Here's something weird. Crazy Eight. You remember what his last name was? Uh, uh it wasn't Salamaca, I, was it? He was no. Uh, no, it, no. It was Molina. How yeah. about uh, the the principal at Walt's school? Do you remember her name? Oh, is it Molina too? It's Principal Carmen Molina. Oh crap. I don't. I can't imagine at this point they bring that back, but interesting. Yeah. But anyway, no dose. Well, no dose. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. No dose. Yeah. Yes, the the death of poor Nodos. Uh, or was it Nodos who got his arm ripped off, or was Nodos the the body who was being hidden? Let's see. Because that I don't remember off the top of my head. I feel like Tuco beat up Nodos, and the other guy. Nodos is the dude that guy that he beat up, and then the bigger, fatter guy got his. Got arm caught. Gonzo. 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 That's right. So Gonzo and Nodos were the two guys in that picture. I guess probably just only saw Gonzo and Hank. But anyway, while Hank is going through all of the evidence, we cut over to Jesse Pinkman, who is feeling a, a ton of guilt over his role in the Meth Empire. So he goes to Saul Goodman, and he has to sit in the waiting room for a while, where he uh, he lights up a joint to force them to let him into Saul's office so uh, the cops don't get called. We get a nice Huel cameo, which is fun. And did you notice uh, Huel's reaction when Jesse pulled out the pack of cigarettes? Yes. Because remember, Huel was the one who lifted the ricin out of that pack, or not that pack of cigarettes, but a pack of cigarettes to poison Brock. Yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah. And uh, his, his eyes got very large at that point. But so... Jesse's finally let into Saul's office where Saul was getting, let's just call it a massage. 
um, because that's what he probably would have referred to it as. Stay Bond classy, doors so. open. <laughs> and uh, he brings in two giant duffel bags full of cash, $2.5 in each. He says he wants one of the duffel bags to go to Mike Trout's granddaughter, and he wants the other duffel bag to go to the family of Drew Sharp. Drew Sharp was the young boy who uh, Todd murdered in the episode Dead Freight in uh, Season 5A. That was the train robbery episode, and uh, saw wisely, I mean, even though it's based out of greed and not wanting to get caught, it's still wise, says this is a very stupid idea that's just going to cause people to ask questions, and uh, Kaylee Ermintrout has already had her money, money seized by the DEA twice, so you're basically just going to give this money to the government. Then he makes a phone call, and, well, and it's funny because I was, at first I was like, I thought he was calling another party. Like, I didn't think it was going to be Walt. Yeah, I guess Walt's not on frame at first, so you don't know. Right, and I just love that that Goodman has the the Droro cell phones that we've seen. Did you notice there's a Hello Kitty one in there? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One of the burners, as I think they're called. You'd be correct, yes. yes. (laughs) Uh, Has Hello Kitty stickers all over it, or like a Hello Kitty case or or something. I got a chuckle out of that. The one thing that I thought was odd, when they finally cut over to Walt, Marie and them talked about Hank and or uh, uh, Walt and Skylar and them going on vacation, going overseas. Yes, and it looked like an airplane. Yes, yes. I'm I glad totally that wasn't just me. thought that because I think I'm and I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I think they just had they just shown Walt and Skylar in the car wash previously, and they were kind of like more upscale. Unless I'm getting my timing mixed off here but i felt like all right they're in like a first class airplane now because the seat looked really cushy and everything and yeah. then they backed out and and good no that's exactly what i thought i i at first because it was like fuzzy in the background and, and the way it was lit i was like oh man he's he's on his way he's on his way out of town so you know this is this will be interesting and i see for me because i've been rewatching the series um including the early uh, seasons is where i am right now I immediately recognized the background, even from the zoomed-in shot, and so I was like, "Oh wow, they're, they're he, you know, they're giving us the answer to the question of does he have cancer or not?" Very early, and uh, I did not assume airplane, but only because I've recently rewatched the first uh, two seasons. But yes, the camera pulls out, and we see that Walt is getting his uh, chemotherapy again, and it's a it's a set or a uh, location we've seen many times before, at least in the early seasons of the show. As he sits in that uh, the easy chair getting his chemo. That That is the actual chemo, right? The drug's going in, or is yeah. that yeah. something? Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm fortunately, I guess, not that familiar with the process of uh, chemotherapy, so I, I didn't want to uh, misrepresent it to anyone who does know what they're talking about. But uh, Walt basically says, hold on to the money, I will deal with it. And we have a scene of him going to Jesse with the money, and Jesse pretty much calls him out and says... I haven't heard from Mike, and I am assuming you killed him, because you killed everybody else who could get you in trouble. Mike was leaving, and Mike would have shown up once his guys were killed if you hadn't killed him, so I am saying you killed him. Walt flat out lies, um, as Walt is wont to do, and says, you have to believe me, I did not kill him. The last time I saw him, he was getting in his car and driving away, which technically is true for the second to last time Walt saw him before Walt saw him die from the gunshot wound that Walt inflicted on him. But, uh, yeah, Jesse not doing too good here. And I'm, I'm glad that, and I guess you're about to get to it, so maybe I'm screwing this up, but I'm glad that Jesse called him on it because I've been waiting for Jesse to do something. You know, like, this seems to be, like, too long a run of him just being totally in the dumps, you know, whether it's throwing like a totally uh, crazy party that's just got him back down that spiral or, you know, I don't know, there was like that bumper car scene or whatever, the go-kart racing scene. Like, he's been down for so long. I'm waiting for him to be like a little more proactive and and stand up to Walt or just make a move, you know? So I think this was kind of like the beginning of it. I don't expect Jesse to finish the season you know, or finish the show, I guess, the way that he's been for the last two seasons or so. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's not like it's been a continuous down in the dumps. Uh, well, line. he's gone from, you know, the one season it was Jane and he was in rehab. Well, and no, then no, no, after no, but that, what I'm saying is every time he pulls himself out of that, Walt does something to wreck his life again. Right, right. I totally I totally get that. So I, but again, I'm waiting for him to fight back at oh, some right, point. Right. 
So at least this, at least he's onto him. You know, I thought he was going to buy it at first. I guess is mainly what I'm getting at. Speaking of buying it, do you think he bought Walt's line about not killing, uh, not killing Mike? Or nah. no, because he told him immediately after, if you killed all of Mike's guys in jail and thought Mike was still alive, you'd be looking over your shoulder right now, and you seem to be li- living pretty comfortably. That's pretty much how it went, right, Russ? Yeah, yeah, and he even said, you know, he's like, Jesse, I need for you to believe me. He he was imploring Jesse to believe him. And after the end, like, Jesse just kind of looked away, and I think he said, whatever, man, or he, he, he totally blew it off. Or it was a sarcastic, yeah, I believe you. I, yeah. I forget exactly, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't believe for a second that he believes Walt. I think, at this point, he wants to do whatever he can to just get him out of his life, like, just just go away, whatever. I mean, if you want me to believe this, fine, as long as you just get the hell out of here and don't ever come back, and I have as little interaction with you as possible, I'm fine with whatever you say. I just I just want to do my thing. And at this point, I don't even think Jesse knows what his thing is. I, I think, you know, again, like you're saying, John, he's he's kind of at that low point again where he's looking back on his life, and it's just it's just a complete wreck, you know. Jesse's never been about the money, which is always funny, you know. Going back to the beginning, he would throw the crazy parties and just, like, throw money at people. He had all that money in a drawer and left, and it all got stolen, the 700000 or whatever, and Mike ended up catching the guys and bringing it back. You know, he, he was just going to let, you know, Jane grab all that, you know, him and Jane grab all that money and take off. He was giving money to the to the girlfriend and, and Brock. And, you know, when it came time to cutting in Mike's guys last season, Jesse was, and Walt balked at it. Jesse was like, Whatever, just take it out of my share. I don't care, you know. Whatever. I mean, Jesse. Jesse's not a, the kind of person. He just looks at it as like two hundred thousand dollars or whatever is more money than I'll ever see, and it was probably more than I would earn in you know thirty years in any other kind of life. So the fact that I have this much is more than I could ever hope for and ever need. I'm not going to squabble and and end up shooting somebody or getting shot over, you know hundreds of thousands when I've got millions, you know, sitting in in my back pocket. Well, Jesse's story continues with him now, the money back in his possession because Walt brought it to him. He's sitting in his car with one of the, at least one of the duffel bags full of money. When a homeless man comes up to him and asks if he has any change, at first he sends the guy away, but then he calls him back and hands him a bundle of either 5000 or $10,000. And uh, then Jesse drives down the street like the most awesome paper boy ever, just in, in a low-income neighborhood or no-income neighborhood even possibly, just throwing out bundles of cash into yards, into bushes, into the street, um, as he just, again, another you know stellar tour-de-force acting moment from Aaron Paul as he's just sobbing and has red, red in the face and just disp- displaying so many emotions at once, throwing this money out the window, trying to relieve himself of the titular blood money. And I think this is where we'll see the turnaround with Jesse. I think he sees the money as as a burden, you know, and like you're saying, Jordan, he throws the money out and he's lifting his burden. It's like, okay, this is gone. I'm not going to worry about it, but I'm pretty sure that hot dog stand has shown up again. I think maybe him and Badger and skinny Pete hung out there at one point that that's the neighborhood where combo was killed. Um, they show him by that playground. I, they're not to spoil anything, but they show like a preview of the next episode. And I think he's on that merry-go-round thing, like spinning on it in the next episode. So I think he's going back to that neighborhood that he partially is is destroyed due to to meth and and what he specifically was doing. And maybe he sees that money as an opportunity to help those people and put them on the right track. Do you think he's actually uh, lifting that burden though by throwing the money, or is it just a stopgap measure that'll maybe make him feel better for the night, but afterwards he just goes right back to it. I don't know. I think like, like John said, he kind of rides this roller coaster and I think maybe getting rid of that five mil is, is going to put him on the path of figuring out what he needs to do with his life to get it back on the right track or to at least get him back to a high instead of being at the low. At this point, now that, you know, even not counting the end of the episode in just with the knowledge that Hank knows and with the knowledge that Jesse is out, for sure he is out, and he is heartbroken, and he is not making smart decisions with this money, in that, you know, he's doing things that are going to call attention to him, specifically, and to Walt, eventually. Just with that, two, those two bits of knowledge, 
who ends up bringing down Walt first? Jesse's laissez-faire attitude towards the money. I'm not, it's not that it's, you know, laissez-faire, but just his, his willy-nilly throwing the money out the window and handing it to people. Does that bring Walt down, or does Hank bring Walt down? Or does Hank flip Jesse, and it wouldn't be much of a flip at this point, and bring him onto the side of the, uh, you know, officially, <laughs> officially licensed angels to bring down Walt? I really believe, and this is just a total prediction, I really think Jesse ends up killing Walt. I, I think that's how it ends, and I think I think he eventually finds out. He's on to him right now about Mike. He still has no clue about Jane, about Brock. You know, there's so much that if it comes to the surface, and I could even see Walt in one of his, like, ego-induced tirades telling Jesse all the stuff that he's done I could see Jesse being the one that kills him I can almost though see a scene where the same thing where he is trying to get Jesse to kill him you know I did this to Brock I did this to Jane I killed Mike I you know I ruined your it wasn't really his fault that Jesse's relationship with his parents was ruined but it didn't help Um, I did all these things and Jesse refusing to kill him you know, like, I'm done, I, I don't want any more blood on my hands, you're going to die of cancer, or of the police, or whatever. Uh, but I can see that scene, but just playing out in the reverse. Right. Or also the way that you're you're, you're saying, it. you know, e- either way. I think it's too easy for Hank to do it. You know what I mean? I, I just think that's too obvious, maybe, is the word I'm looking for. I don't think Hank has enough information to do it. Like, he would have no idea that Walt was there when Jane was choking on her own vomit you know, high out of her mind. He has no direct knowledge that, you know, that Walt poisoned, um, you know, Brock with the plant. You know, those things he has no, like, there's a lot of things Hank can piece together and figure out, but I don't think any of that stuff he would. So if if that ends up coming out, it's got to be from Walt. I mean, the only other person at this point that would know would would be Saul, and I don't see Saul going down that road. But, I mean, do you think Hank could flip Jesse without that information? Um, Does he need to say, here's what Walt did to you? Or maybe. just, hey, I know I know now, and I know you know, and I can tell that based on your, your actions, uh, you're no longer in the business. Would you be willing to turn state's witness? I think he'll try that. I really think Hank is going to try and go to Jesse and say, I know everything. I have, I have, I know, and here's your way out. And I think Jesse, for whatever reason, is is just is just going to stay loyal, you know, because for right or for wrong, every time those two have gotten in a jam. And now, granted, after rewatching the show, Hank really—it wasn't so much Hank looking out for Jesse as it mu- as it was Hank looking out for Jesse, looking out for himself. Um, but for whatever reason, I think Jesse thinks that they've always found a way to get out of it. Like no matter wh- how bad, I mean. Hank was on the other side of a door of an RV in a in a in a junkyard, and they got out of it. So I think he'll just take Hank as either fishing or, you know, just full of it or not. You know, something will happen to to get them out of it. So I think Hank is going to try. I think that's going to be part of his ploy, but I don't think it's going to. I don't see it 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 working. We shall see. So in a scene that uh, John mentioned earlier. We go to the car wash, where we see that Walt and Skyler are being very successful at laundering their money at the car wash, and they're even discussing buying a second car wash, because then you can launder the money twice as fast. And Skyler, who last we saw was happy that Walt was out, but still maybe not uh, particularly thrilled with him, seems that she's come around even a little bit more. At first, she's hesitant to the idea of buying another car wash, but... Then she gets that gleam in her eye, a little bit of greed there of saying, oh, but I do like that location down on, you know, Smith Street or whatever. And uh, again, Skylar continues to break bad. And I, I never hated her character, but I got to say, I, I love her character even more as she goes down a dark path, which is a horrible thing to say as a human being. But I, I find that it just makes her so much more interesting the more complicit she gets. Feliz cumpleaños, Enrique. <laughs> Happy birthday. I don't know why that struck me as so funny. I, I just I thought that was a great little line. That, that was like an old Walt line, right? Like, this is like, you know, episode one, season one, Walt kind of thing. Well, I mean, speaking episode one, season one, the costume that Walter White is wearing, or the, the costume that Brian Cranston is wearing as, as Walt, 
is the same exact, as far as I can tell, outfit he wore in the pilot. It's the same, uh, you know, pale sweater and khaki pants and white shirt that he wore. The only difference is now he doesn't have a head of hair and he's got a uh, goatee instead of a mustache. Like, you're right. It's not just in the what he's saying and how he's acting, but everything down to his costuming yeah. is pre-meth Walter White. It's funny because when you think of that uh, opening scene where he walks into the house... There's a shot of him, like, looking into a broken mirror. Yes. And it's all distorted. Yeah. Yeah, and he's totally... There's, like, so many different Walts, right? There's, like, father-teacher Walt from season one or so. And there's, like, kingpin Walt with, you know, the Heisenberg and the shaved head and everything. And this is, like, a total other Walt. Like, future Walt is, like... Mr. Lambert. Degenerate, mangled, you know, burnt-out Walt. So it's funny that they're they brought us back full circle. They're showing us the new future Walt and giving you that reflection in the mirror and now they're back to like almost he's almost trying to get back to you know father husband Walt. I don't see him getting there. No. <laughs> I just have a weird feeling. But so at the car wash shows up a rental car and out steps Lydia, uh, Lydia Rodart Quayle, who you remember from uh, the rest of season 5. And she goes in to talk to Walt and say that, hey, the operation you left when you, that you left going when you left, we knew that the quality of the meth would drop because it wouldn't, wasn't you cooking it anymore, but it's now dropped below 70% purity. This is a problem. You need to go in and you need to just get everything back up to snuff. And Walt very clearly says, I am done. I am out. That is not my problem anymore. You knew it was going to drop. I knew it was going to drop. I fulfilled my end of the bargain. We are done. Uh, Lydia leaves, and Skylar, who does not know who Lydia is, but can pretty clearly tell that something is going on and and is wondering why anyone would would get a rental car cleaned without being the owner of the rental car company, uh, asks Walt who it is. Walt gives her enough information to then go out where she confronts Lydia and tells her, never come here again. And this was kind of telling to me, and it's along the lines of what you just said, Jordan, about uh, Skyler now breaking bad. Walter would have lied about this yep. in the past and come up with some cockamamie story about who Lydia was. And now Skyler is in on it. And she's just as evil as he is. Right. He feels comfortable enough that he can include her, you know, in the truth. Exactly. I, I totally agree. I mean, the, the the fact that I was half expecting him to lie, but then half not because of the situation they're both in. But w- the first thing I started thinking about when she showed up and started talking about the, the purity and the moving parts was I wonder if maybe Declan, the character of Declan from season five, who's played by uh, Louis Ferreira, who if you've, if you've seen, he was the, the colonel on Stargate Universe. He's kind of this character actor, too. He's been in a ton of different different stuff. But I, he seemed like a pretty hard-edged kind of dude, and I wonder if, if he's going to have, you know, if if the crew he represents that was looking to buy the methylamine in season five is maybe going to have some kind of uh, of a play in this, and maybe that's who Walt is trying to arm himself against. Um, you know, maybe it's possible that he thought he was out of danger, he was out of the game, and maybe somehow they they hit the house, and maybe. You know, Walt Jr. or Skyler is, you know, kind of collateral damage from that. Uh, you know, who who knows? It's also possible there is a party out there, and we don't know who they are or what their deal is. But we know from the flat, Gus's flashback to when he was first meeting with the cartel and they killed his partner, that he is connected somehow. We don't know how or with who or in what capacity, but they very clearly say... We didn't kill you because of who you are and because some, you know, it implied that someone would retaliate. Yeah. Could it be now that Walt has killed Gus, that whoever, whoever Gus was connected with, uh, family-wise or whatever, uh, I, I believe they even intoned that was possibly from the, uh, the, the Pinchot uh, regime, that they could be coming to kill him. Could be. Now, throughout this, we're getting other scenes. You know, I've been skipping over stuff and moving stuff around a little bit just to keep it concise. But like we said, Walt's cancer is back, um, and he is keeping this from his family. They do not know. 
and he he's eating dinner with the family when uh, he suddenly gets a, a bout of indigestion, and so he excuses himself from the table, goes into the bathroom, and is trying to take his uh, anti-nausea medication, but he has to uh, vomit before he can do that, so he, he goes into the bathroom where he puts a towel under his knees, just like Gus, which is important, we can get to that in a minute, and uh, he vomits into the toilet, and at that point, he realizes that his copy of Leaves of Grass is no longer on the back of the toilet. And he is very concerned about this. I I was fine with this, not a reveal, uh, with this discovery by Walter. I've heard more than one person say that it was a stretch that he noticed that the book was gone. Did any of you guys feel that way? I was, I didn't, it didn't yeah. occur to me at all. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I felt like he looked up there. It was kind of like quick. It was... Yeah, I, I don't know. It just it just seemed it just seemed a little forced, but not anything that was just like roll your eyes kind of thing. Um, but then it helped that he was looking other places for it. Like he didn't just look on the top of if he had just looked on the top of the toilet, saw it was gone, and just like panned a camera and had this like you know his face got white and and had this nervous look on his face. But I think it just kind of prompted him to go, hey, where's that book at? And and keep looking. But but I did it did seem a little forced to me. Maybe a little didn't bother me though. But so he's looking for the book now. He looks in the bedroom where we had also seen it at, at the several points uh, during the first half of the season. He asks Skylar about it. They they joke about it, possibly being Walt Jr. taking it and, and conclude that, that it was not him. And then after Skylar goes to bed, Walt goes outside in his robe and he checks under his car where he finds a tracking device just like the one that he and Hank planted on Gus Fring's car. And I believe he also used one on Jesse at one point. There was there was another GPS locator used at, at some point in the show. And uh, Walt now knows, as we cut to commercial, that Hank knows for sure, or that Hank at least has enough to suspect him. And we go to commercial with uh, a lot of dread in the air. Yeah, and Walt used it on Jesse, and Hank and Walt used it on Gus. And that's how that's how Walt knew that Jesse had gone to Gus's house. Yeah, right, even right, though he right, said right. he didn't. But, yeah, the first thing I thought of when he had that, I was like, ooh, he went to Jesse's house. So, again, you know, it just he's going to know, like, where he's been. I mean, other than that, you know, luckily, since Walt is out of it, there's, you know, other than going to the car wash, you know, there's not much to, oh, and I guess to Goodman's because he had to go pick up the money. True. You know, so he knows that something something's going on. But, yeah, that was, I was just like, ooh. There was also a GPS on the uh, bottom of a methylamine barrel. Yeah. Yes, that's right, in the, in the magical electromotive uh, warehouse. The Houston branch of the DEA planted on the barrel. Yep. So the next morning, presumably, uh, we're, not, we're not told the next day, but presumably it's the next day, Hank is in his garage, he's looking over evidence that some other DEA agents have just brought to him, and uh, Walt pulls up, and Walt uh, talks to the other agents as they leave, they, you know, ex- exchange some pleasantries before Hank sends them away because they're still on the clock, and uh, Walt comes into the garage, they kind of exchange pleasantries and uh, have a, a bit of a cautionary verbal tete-a-tete for a few moments before Walt begins to leave and then comes in, pulls the GPS out of his pocket and says, you know, I feel ridiculous for even uh, asking this, but did you put this on my car? Because I know we did the same thing to Gus Fring. And at that point, uh, Hank pulls out the uh, the remote control to his garage door because there's a kid uh, playing with a remote control car out there. He closes Which the garage door. We, we must mention <laughs> it's a new remote yes. control car because Marie ran over the other one. Oh, I forgot all yeah. about that. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> It's clearly different. This one's like a yellow Ferrari, and the kid had like a, a, like yes. a dark truck. I, I, again, I just re- I, I rewatched leading up to this season. I so. forgot all about that. Good call. So Hank closes the garage door, and then pretty much the moment it is closed, he cold cocks Walt in the jaw, knocks him down, picks him back up, grabs him by the collar and by the face, holds him against the door, and basically unloads with a a litany of, you killed this person, you killed this person, you were the one who called and told me that Marie was in the hospital, it wasn't Jesse, you're the one who had my phone number, you killed these people, you did this, you stole this, you blew up a nursing home, and Walt never actually admits that he did anything. At first he says, that's ridiculous, then he goes to... Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, or think of the family. If this was true, think of what it would do to everyone. Eventually, Hank looks him in the eye and says, I don't even know who I'm talking to. I don't know who you are. 
And Walt says that if you really don't know who I am, maybe your best course would be to tread lightly. And we end episode 509. Were either of you waiting for Walt to say, how do you think your physical rehabilitation got paid for? I think, doesn't Hank no. list that? Doesn't he, doesn't he say that in no, his he doesn't know. new things? No. I'm assuming at some point he's going to find out because Marie is is going to, like he's going to start either looking around or whatever. Well, he has to know the whole gambling oh, yeah. thing was a lie now. Like, I mean, he but obviously see, knows it all. Marie, Marie kept it from him that the insurance wasn't covering the therapy. Oh, that's right. That's right. Very good. Yeah, so he has no clue at this point. I would have not believe, not imagined in a million years, I would have put money against them moving that far in this episode. I, I would have thought like three or four episodes by the time that they finally confront each other, and to have it all happen in the space of about 44 minutes was amazing. Yeah, one of the things that, that they brought up in that conversation, Jordan, was Hank said, my cancer is back. I'm fighting it with everything I have. Walt, Walt said. Yeah, Walt said, I'm sorry. Um, he goes, I've only, you know, best guess in six months, even if, if you were to move forward with this, you wouldn't have anybody to prosecute. There'd be nobody to put in jail. So he's basically telling Hank, look, you can do all this and ruin your career, ruin the family, ruin everything. And in the end, all you're going to have is a corpse. You're, you know, there's no one to prosecute in this. And it should be noted that those flash forward scenes from episode 501 and the beginning of this episode are approximately six months in the future. I'd like to ask a question about that. The first flash forward, it's his birthday, right? And then when they flash back, it's his birthday again? The next episode is is titled 51, and that's where it's his 51st birthday. And we then have several points during the first half of season five where time progresses. The most recent one was after the uh, incredible uh, prison massacre. There's that uh, the music montage of him and... Todd cooking as the uh, the tented buildings right. are, are expanding throughout the city, which uh, someone pointed out, I think it was Chris Hardwick on Nerdist, maybe, or, or another another podcast, I forget, but they basically were guessing that the houses proliferating and spreading was a visual metaphor for the cancer coming back and spreading through Walt's body, which uh, Vince Gilligan would not admit at that time because it wasn't uh, out there that Walt's cancer was definitely back. But I guess now we can say that that's probably true. Oh, awesome. Wow. But that one was like three, four, five months past in that montage. Gotcha. And I forget how we know that, but it's pretty much been confirmed that, yeah, it's we have about six months uh, until that flash. Yeah, because he said he's been out for a month. At, at one point, and that's after that montage, right? Ends, which yeah, yeah. He covers a significant. Yeah, time. no. In the in the episode we just saw, he told Jesse, "I've been out for." He goes, "I'm out. I've been out for a month." So he's going to have to start uh, growing hair pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you guys think as we go through these now last seven episodes, will we see that process start to happen, or will everything that happens in the next, let's say, five episodes, be within the next month or so, and then? Something happens, and we flash forward to those flash forwards, and that's where the rest of the series takes place for like the last episode or two. Because uh, I mean, it'd be a lot a of makeup question. to have him be growing the hair and the beard throughout that time, um, because it is a wig. It's a very good wig, a very greasy wig. Um, my my joke on Twitter was apparently a period of baldness has caused Walter White to forget how shampoo works, because that hair was nasty yeah. looking. But it, it is a good wig. But so they would have to do that for the whole rest of the show. Yeah, the only thing, in, and again, part of this is just speculation on what I've seen. One of the promo pictures for this season, and this is before the season even started, was Walt still bald-headed with the goatee, standing next to Jesse with his hair at, at like a normal length. Not quite like season one through the first part of season four length, but pretty close to that, and, and, and pretty much like a full beard. Yeah, I've seen those as well. Was that a promo picture or was that a screen cap? From I'm episode. not sure. I mean, it's it's they use it as like the banner on the website, and that that image I've definitely seen. And for that, that could just be because it's a promo picture, and that's done after everything was done was recorded. Could be, anyway. yeah. I mean, so I'm, but given that fact, I, I'm thinking that maybe there'll be a little bit of time period ahead. But I I don't think we're going to see the slow progression of Walt growing his hair back. I think we're going to get to a point, and then it's going to jump. And it's kind of weird. I guess season four was kind of the exception, but a lot of times in in, in the season, we'll kind of get like a, a resolution and then almost like an episode to kind of 
uh, you know, deal with stuff? Well, no, I guess it's always been kind of a, a, a fairly, you know, big, you know, cliffhanger. So I think we may get to, I don't know. I mean, the way they've jumped right into this whole Walt and, and Hank thing, I don't know. I mean, it could be that we'll get one more episode or two more episodes in this current time frame and then boom, jump ahead and, you know, they may drag out the, 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 the future stuff over, you know, the last two or three episodes. Hard to say. Yeah. One thing that came to me, and I don't know that it's going to happen, but Hank hasn't reported any of this yet, and he's clearly going to debate whether he should for some period of time, which if we know Walter, you know, he he would take that as his opportunity to get rid of Hank. I don't know how he would pull that off and keep his, quote, you know, family together, which has always been important to Walter, even though he does all of this outrageous stuff. Uh, which clearly puts the family at risk. You know what I'm saying? Like, if Hank doesn't report this, Walter can strike, and nobody would know that it's Walter. Right. So I don't know if that's going to be his move, but I'm sure he's going to give it a little time and see if he can convince Hank of what he was trying to, you know, saying he's going to die soon anyway, why cause all of this other damage, um, you know, and and cite what good the money is doing and, and, and stuff like that. I think, though, Hank's integrity will win out. I mean, Hank has been shown over and over again to be a man of integrity. Even when he makes the wrong decisions, he owns up to it, like when he uh, roughed up Jesse uh, seasons back. I think he will have to struggle with it, and yeah, you're right, that that time of him struggling with it will be a very dangerous portion of his life that will dictate where the series goes. But I think even if he is killed before he finally does get a chance to turn Walt in or to or to tell the, the DEA what he knows, I think the decision for him will or or would be to end up sacrificing his career and his his extended family to do the right thing. I agree. There's a reason that even though he could have gotten out of the whole beaten up Jesse thing, he chose not to. I mean, he flat out told the truth, didn't hold anything back at the cost of his, his career for a, a period of time. I think maybe finding out about Walt paying for the the physical therapy is going to put a wrinkle in it. But I think in the end, if he's given the opportunity, um, he'll actually come forward. Do you think that uh, history will repeat itself and Walter will try to get Jesse to kill Hank? Ooh. By saying, listen, he's going he's gonna to figure out that you killed Gail, so you might want to handle this. I don't know. But would Jesse do it? Just like no, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think, think I think yeah, I think that that would turn Jesse for the final yeah. time against Walter. Yeah, I think at this point he would he just take his money and run. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing left for him, so he's got enough cash, you know, still stashed back that I, I think he would just take it and run. Well, we will know soon enough, I guess. Uh, do we have anything else for this episode, gentlemen? One thing. Go ahead. We forgot about the most awesome Star Trek episode. Ever? Uh, yes, we uh, yes. did. <laughs> I ever tell you about my Star Trek script? Star Trek script? Yeah, I gotta write it down is all. The Enterprise is five parsecs out of Rigel 12. Nothing's going on, neutral zone is quiet, the crew is bored, so they put on a pie-eating contest. The whole crew's in the galley, they're eating Tullaberry pies. Tullaberry? Tullaberries. From Gamma Quadrant, yo. That's Voyager, dude. Okay, blueberries then. They're eating blueberry pies Better. as fast as the replicator can churn them out. Finally, it's down to just three. Kirk, Spock, and Chekhov. Okay, Spock always wins these things. How is Spock going to beat Kirk, yo? Spock's like a toothbrush. Look at Kirk. He's got room to spare. Spock has total Vulcan control over his digestion. You want to hear this or not? Yeah, yeah, go. Okay, finally, Kirk. He can't take it anymore. He yorks. Now it's just down to Chekhov and Spock. But Chekhov, you see... He's got a whole fat stack of quatloos riding on this. And he has figured out a way to win. He's got Scotty back in the transporter room, locked in on Chekhov's stomach. Every time Chekhov eats a pie, Scotty beams it right out of him. Where is he sending him? The toilet? Space! Oh, there's blueberries just floating out there. 
frozen because it's in space and Chekhov is just shoveling him into his mouth and, and Spock's like, I can't believe this Russian is defeating me. Meanwhile, Scotty's in the transporter room fiddling with levers when Lieutenant O'Hara comes in and she's got, you know, her big pointies and Scotty's fingers are all sweaty. No. Chekhov screams. He sprays blood out of his mouth. Oh. Scotty beamed his guts into space. No way. <laughs> I was, I, I love, I don't know how to even, I love this scene. I love Skinny Pete and Badger to begin with. <laughs> and yes. I was DVRing as I was watching the episode and I ran this back like twice. And I love how they, they've done it before, talk sci-fi. And they seem to really, yeah. despite being kind of idiots, they generally do love it or genuinely do love it and seem to have some real knowledge of the medium they're discussing or the, the, the genre they're discussing rather. I wonder if there's just going to be total destruction by the end of this season like skinny Pete gets it badger gets it like just a trail of dead bodies i'd love to see these guys get out alive <laughs> that's who gets the spinoff series it's it's the skinny pete and badger show <laughs> yeah yeah i would i'm going with uh i've heard rumors about saul goodman getting a little action in the spinoff looks area. like it's gonna happen yeah looks like it's that gonna would happen be i'm so excited saul goodman with uh with some supporting cast of skinny pete and badger i yeah. signed me up and, and Bill Burr and, and uh, is it Thomas Lovell who plays Huel? I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah. But that whole that Star Trek bit was was just hilarious. Oh no, I'm sorry, Lavelle Crawford, Lavelle Crawford. Ah, but the, they actually took it the full. Like I just I thought for a minute there they were just going to trail off and focus back on Jesse and and th- that conversation was just going to go by the wayside. But they they did it the whole way out. And what's funny in that in that clip we just we just showed. Somebody actually within what eight hours or less has gone out and put together uh you know i mean it's not great animation, but they put together an animated version of that entire scene, and it's just it's freaking hilarious, yeah, I enjoyed that one quite a bit. The only other thing that struck me as I watched the episode was uh when Walt shows up in Hank's garage, it totally reminded me of a Tarantino long cut scene, especially like inglorious yeah. bastards yeah. where yes. The two people are just feeling each other out. Like, it's a big game of chicken kind of thing. And the the audience knows exactly who knows what, but the two characters don't know. It just really it reminded me of a couple of scenes in Inglorious Bastards. One, uh, when Shoshana is hiding under the floorboards, I guess. And the other one in the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, the exactly, restaurant, yeah. with, with the whiskey order and all that stuff. And then the skull scene in uh, Django Unchained is also similar. Right, right. And uh, Mad Men does that a lot, too, actually. And uh, I, I always love scenes like that where you can just cut the, the tension with a butter knife. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one other thing to talk about before we close out, and, and after we, we close out, we will preview next week's episode. Uh, so we'll, we'll warn you before that in case you want to avoid any even possible spoilers. But uh, the ratings for this episode came out, and they were awesome. Uh, the midseason premiere drew 5.9 million viewers. That is up 102%. From episode 501, uh, 3.6 million of those viewers were in the 18 to 49 demographic, making it the second highest rated show on cable in that demo uh, after, of course, The Walking Dead, another show we podcast about. So that was a very good thing for that. Talking Bad averaged 1.2 million viewers. And uh, it, just in general, I mean, that's uh, that's great. I mean, it's been a very slow climb for Breaking Bad in the ratings department. And it's something that does not happen uh, with TV ratings anymore, almost ever, which is a show going up in ratings every year. But Breaking Bad has managed to do it. Now, granted, they started from a very small place. Walking Dead has done it. Mad Men has been doing it. But just bravo all around to them. Yeah, I think Walking Dead helped the entire... I, I, think, it, it, I think it put AMC on the map. You know, like, I remember when these shows were beginning and getting like, what channel is it on? And I'd go AMC, and they'd go, do I get that? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you probably do. You know, thinking it was kind of like a Showtime or a premium cable channel or whatever. So I I think Walking Dead definitely helped put AMC on the radar of people now so that these other shows can flourish a little bit. I think Netflix is the other unsung hero in this because I think having allowing people to kind of binge watch and catch up and I guess it was the week before a week or two weeks before something like that. yeah this episode aired they they actually put up the final eight episodes uh or the 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 first eight episodes of this season so people could catch up so 
I, I think that's had a lot to do with, with it. And I think just knowing the word of mouth, the buzz, knowing that it's coming to its, its end, I think has really caused people to, to, j- to jump on it. I, I could see where, if nothing else, people just want to see, you know, how does this thing end? You know, what, what, what's going to happen at this point? And bravo to AMC. I mean, not that they always make the perfect decisions. And on Walking Dead TV, we've discussed some business decisions they've made that we've questioned or just been uh, flummoxed by. But, you know, they're really handling the end of Breaking Bad in a very smart way with putting those episodes up on Netflix, which many other companies would not do. They'd want that revenue from the DVDs or whatever. And them being willing to do that and promoting it as much as they they have been, very smart decisions on, on their part, I think. And it's paying off for them, so... Uh, congratulations, I guess. Uh, also on the numbers front, uh, it's interesting to look at Twitter, where there were 659,689 total Breaking Bad tweets uh, from 400,000 unique users. That's about two tweets per unique user. I know I probably tweeted about uh, 20 to 25 Breaking Bad tweets as the episode was going. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Aaron Paul tweeted, It's so close I can almost taste the meth hashtag Breaking Bad at 732. Um, so before the episode had even aired, and that generated 25,175 retweets. Peak activity for the show on Twitter was 9 p.m., where they had 11,799 tweets per minute. And at the end of the show, at 10 p.m., they had 7,859 tweets per minute. So just on all the fronts, on every metric you can think of, big success for AMC and for Breaking Bad, and the ratings have been solid. Every review I've read has been very happy with this episode. I know I was super thrilled with the episode. Like I said, they they fit four episodes of content into 44 minutes, and man, it was just, it was Breaking Bad at its best, I think. Not not my favorite episode of the show, but just them firing on, on all cylinders. I believe Vince Gilligan was quoted as saying he has 20 hours of story for these eight episodes. And it's showing, man. <laughs> it is absolutely yeah. showing. Could you imagine if all of the eight episodes, if, if every one of the seven episodes we have left is as jam-packed as this one or more? I can honestly say, you know, I haven't put too much thought into, is this my favorite television show of all time, yada, yada. But I can honestly say I have never felt that an episode was anywhere near average or down. Every single episode of the show has been above average to like great. Yeah. I've never been let down. And I think part of it is the the 13 episode season. I think having that shorter season makes it so the pacing is right, uh the characterization is right and and everything kind of lines up. You know, we we kind of seen, you know, we talked about Mad Men uh on the Last Walking Dead TV podcast a, a bit ago. And even though it still has a 13-episode season, there are episodes of that occasionally that seem like a drag. But but I agree with you, John. I, th- I think I think it's it's just it's amazing how they just keep that momentum. And again, I don't think any character has ever had this kind of an arc over the course of a show ever. I mean, you know, we've seen characters where they've changed from start to finish, or they're maybe not the same you know people they were. And I think some of that is a natural progression of the actor's comfort in the show just the you know looking to change things up but it seems to me that while the details might not have been there i think gilligan and the writing crew have pretty much known like where he's going to be from the very beginning and it's just been incredible to see him go you know to see cranston portray this character on this journey amen brother so we're going to close out the episode now, and after we do our little uh, a spiel, we will give you the preview for next week's episode. So just be aware, if you want to avoid any spoilers, uh, you know, leave after we end uh, and before we get to that part. If you would like to leave us a voicemail, you can do so, 516-468-7912. We'd love to hear your feedback for next week's episode, because we want to include feedback as well. If you'd like to send us an email, you can do so at hermanos at walkingdeadtv.com. That's H-E-R-M-A-N-O-S at H-H-W-L-O-D dot com. Check out all of our great shows at H-H-W-L-O-D dot com. We've got Half Hour Wasted, Long Box of Doom, Black Box Out Now, My Show, Jersey Shore, Really BS, Walking Dead TV. There's something for everybody there. If you're into geek culture at all, there's plenty of stuff. If you're into TV, if you're into movies, if you're into comic books, if you're into just good friends hanging out and shooting the breeze, there's something there for you. So check out HHWLOD.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at HHWLOD underscore network. So have a good week. And everybody, remember, we are not in danger, podcast listeners. We are the danger.
So have a good week. Have a good one. Good night. And next week on Breaking Bad. Now, this will be from the synopsis provided by AMC, the, the little teaser they give to, like, TV Guide and such. And this will also be from the teaser that Vince Gilligan gave on Talking Bad. In this week's episode, Lydia, when she came to Walt, she said the phrase, don't put me in a box. And she was referring to the moving parts and the quality of the meth, etc. But next week's episode is entitled Buried. So box buried. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to put this together. Um, Not that she'll necessarily die, but we shall see. The summary that we have from Walking Dead for episode 510 Buried is, while Skylar's past catches up with her, Walt is covering up his own tracks. Jesse continues to struggle with his guilt. And judging by how much they fit into this episode, I'd guess that next week there's a lot more to it than just that. Probably so. Do we think Skylar's past is Ted? I... Or do we think it's something else coming back? I'm pretty him? sure it's Ted. Yeah. <laughs> well, she F Ted. Now it's time for him yeah, to maybe her, so. I guess. You know, what's, you know what, I t- what I totally noticed on the rewatch that is so obvious? <laughs> it's just uh, the company's name is Beneke Fabrications. Oh, uh, you know, I never and, thought about that, but that's a good point. And he's totally, you know, cooking his books and making up the numbers and stuff. <laughs> good thought. Well, that's it for episode one of Los Podcast Hermanos. Hey, if you're still sticking around at this point and you have not checked out Walking Dead TV podcast, we did two episodes about Breaking Bad and Mad Men. Those are episodes uh, 21 and 94. They were entitled Breaking Mad Parts 1 and 2. If you'd like to hear more of our thoughts about Breaking Bad and, and the prior seasons, check out episodes 21 and 94 of the Walking Dead TV podcast. You can find that at hhwlod.com. Like I said, send us an email or a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to feature your feedback on the show. But until next week, hey, there's only a few more episodes left. Have a good week, everybody. I cannot wait. Yeah.